Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by tuning in this radio show, but also participating... Uh, by calling in, I'm Dave Alexander. This is Dr. Franklin Weefald. Hello. And, and, you know, it's always fun to talk to people on the radio yeah. and connect. So, you know, it's the ultimate social media. 919-860-9783 is our call right now number. Now there's a possibility that you may want to call some other time. Uh, here's the anytime number, 919 745 7422, just in case in your time zone, it's not Saturday afternoon. That's right. That's what I'm telling you. That's your special number. I'll repeat it later. We're going to talk about COVID, of course. This is the Walking Wounded Show. It's bad. We, I mean, you would think that we're on a health show, that we would be the healthiest people around. No. And it just amazes me. So I, mean, here- I, I always assumed that I was invulnerable yes you know here i'm a cardiologist sure and now you know you you hit this age group uh that you and i are in you know the middle middle no the sort of beyond middle age maybe just a little bit yeah and all of a sudden i had some palpitations and i felt terrible we are turning into those two guys that used to be on the muppet show in the balcony complaining (laughs) about the the show okay so you had AFib. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, AFib, atrial fibrillation. I was at the dog park minding my own business, playing with my dogs yeah. at 6 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. Okay. And all of a sudden, I felt a little dizzy, and I felt some pitter-patter, and I took my pulse, and it was like 110, but it was going bump 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 It was irregularly irregular. And I said to myself, it can't be me. I mean, I, I don't have any risks for it. My blood pressure is under control. Okay. Um, my heart muscle function is normal. My valves are normal. Right. I haven't had any blood clots to my lungs. My thyroid, you can. it was normal. All these things that you think about. So I said, okay, this will be over soon. Uh-uh. Really? It didn't get over. So I drove to work, hooked myself up to the EKG, and... I was in atrial fibrillation, and I was going pretty rapid clip, even though I'd taken my um, blood pressure medication, which is a beta blocker. We've talked about this. It, it sort of numbs the heart to the effects of the stress hormone adrenaline, and I was still bouncing along. So what do you do? You don't let yourself be your own doctor. So I got on the phone with Pablo yeah. Netrebko, who is one of our guests on the show frequently, yeah. And he's what we call an electrophysiologist. He is a cardiologist who works on the electricity of the heart. And we've had many patients together. And I, I showed him my EKG. I sent it to him uh, by text. You know, right. I sent a picture of it. And so he asked me all the right questions. And I said, I don't know why. Now, 
I hadn't even had my five-hour energy that morning. Now, remember, five-hour energy is equivalent to a cup of coffee in terms of caffeine. I have two of those a day. So, essentially, I have two cups of coffee a day. Yeah. Not any longer. Okay. Really? Yeah, I stopped them. I mean, and, you know, I'm a, maybe I don't perk up as quickly anymore. But anyway, so so I, Dr. Netrebko Pavlo said, okay, look, you've never had this before, right? You're symptomatic. A lot of people will have atrial fibrillation and don't know it. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely tell, my, you know, my heart wasn't in my chest the way it normally is. Right. So we went over my history, uh, no risk factors, nothing to worry about. I took an Eliquis, um, which is a Pixaban. That is one of the newer blood centers. Works pretty quickly. And that's the big risk. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't afford to have a stroke. What is the big risk? The that... big risk is a stroke. Okay. okay. So the upper chamber is supposed to beat in concert with the lower chamber of the heart. Keep the blood flowing smoothly. Well, when the top part is just fluttering along and wiggling along in a fib, the blood pools. And uh-huh. it can form little blood clots that can break off and go to the brain right. and cause a stroke. So I doused myself with the eloquence. You did it, this on advice of your oh doctor. No, I'm on the phone with my doctor. Right. Now, you don't want to treat yourself. So then he said, all right, get yourself some flecainide. Now, flecainide is a great medicine, except when you have a bad heart. And this is the strange thing about it. It is an antiarrhythmic, so it's an electricity uh, responsive medicine. It will change the way the electricity is flowing in your heart. All right. However, if you have a weak heart, like congestive heart failure, where your heart doesn't pump strong and you get fluid buildup, it can be a nasty thing. But if you have a normal heart, like a lot of my young people do, and I consider myself still young, so my heart is structurally normal. That's the term. Yeah. No blockages of cholesterol, a normal pump function, no valve problems. It's very safe and actually very effective. And so what flecainide does, if you want to know the technical aspects, is it changes the sodium and potassium that are floating through your heart cells, causing the electrical current, and it makes them less hyperactive. Okay, that's the way to put it. So I went over to the drugstore. He called in a prescription for flecainide, and I took two of them. Okay, you were driving? No. No. I had someone drive me over. Okay, good. I mean, I drove to work. I mean, my blood pressure was great. I, I felt a little, I wouldn't say dizzy, but just not quite right in the head. Yeah. Sort of like when I'm on this show. How would you know? <laughs> How would I know what? If you were not quite right in the head. Um, I don't know. I just. What's kinda, your baseline? I mean, my honestly. My baseline is a lot calmer <laughs> than this. No, okay. I'm kidding. But anyway, so I took two of the flecainides, 100 milligrams, and just went to work. I mean, even though I was feeling kind of funny, my brain was still functioning well. I didn't tell him my patients, you know, I didn't want him to yeah, worry that idea. I was going to yeah. drop dead. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I went to lunch. I don't really take a lunch break. So this is three, four hours after I took the flecainide. And I got up and I felt something sort of just change in my body, <sighs> felt my pulse, and I was back in sinus rhythm. So four hours, maybe five, Yeah. hasn't come back since. Okay. So I don't know why it happened. Um and this is the thing. Some people can get it and never know why. Uh, it's called lone, L-O-N-E, like the lone ranger. Yeah. Lone atrial fibrillation. The only thing wrong with you in terms of your heart, 
was that a, you had AFib, and I guess that's going to be me. Um, I'm staying on the Eliquis for a while, um, and then what I'm going to do, because I don't want to stroke, and maybe a clot could still form, I don't know. Um, sometimes when you go back into rhythm, the function of the top part doesn't quite come back as strongly yet. But I'm going to put a monitor on. I'm going to put a monitor on for seven days, and it's one of these things that's just going to stick to my chest and measure yep. every heartbeat, and then see if it happens and I don't realize it. It's even not on now? It's not on now. I've ordered it. Okay. Now, the other thing I'm going to do yeah. is a sleep study. Now, I've talked about AFib and sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is when you stop getting the air into your lungs, your oxygen level goes down, and it can mess up your whole system when you have a low oxygen, even for a short period of time. It can raise the amount of stress hormone, the adrenaline, and that can cause AFib. Now, I don't know. I mean, I've had people tell me I snore really loudly, but I wake up in the morning feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. I can, however, fall asleep in the afternoon, so I don't know. Now, I did definitely know I had sleep apnea when I was in my 30s because I had bad tonsils. I had these huge tonsils. Yeah. They took them out. Now, what did they do when they took them out? They took out my uvula. You know what that is? I That's do. That little thing hanging down in the back of your throat because he said it was too big. I said, what do you mean it was too big? Well, it just yes. looked a little big, so he just took it off. I don't have a uvula. So I tend, I can aspirate. So if I am talking and if I am eating, I will definitely start coughing. So it could be that at certain times of night, my soft tissues in the back of my throat clog me up and I don't get enough air down there. So I don't know. That's the only cause of AFib that I haven't ruled out. So I'm going to do it. So we're okay. going to do this home sleep study. Good. I'm going to do it at home. They're going to hook me up. I'm going to hook myself up to these little monitors, uh, put a little ET you know, phone home, he had the glowing yeah, finger the oxygen tip. thing, So I'm going to put the oxygen tip in my yeah. finger. And then put these two things up my nose that will help measure whether air is getting in. And then I'll let you know. I'll let you know Sounds if I have good. sleep apnea. Sounds good. Well, yeah. very dramatic story. I'm glad it well, worked out. I, and I'm fine. But just I, sure. the reason why I'm sharing this is that doctors are people too. <laughs> and we get I wouldn't say I was sick. Well, maybe I was sick. Yeah, you were sick. Sick. You I'm had AFib. better now, but this is a very common problem. And it, and the other thing about sharing this story is, yeah. I mean, now I know how my patients feel. Sure. I know what they went through, how scary it was. Right. But I also know that my doctor, Pavlo Trebko, was a phone call away. Yeah. Very responsive. And that's what made me feel confident that I was going to be okay right was his voice coming through and saying this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to make you better doctors are wonderful right I right. love having my doctor it, it, when they respond right I have I think everybody has had a situation where their health care provider was not responsive Ooh. or you know you call and uh, two hours later you get somebody else who you've never met right you know these things can happen i i've got stories Uh-oh. to tell you about somebody I've, well that's I've why I'm, I'm a solo practitioner now and guess how my patients get a hold of me they call you on my cell phone yeah 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 i've been around with the doctor when he's he's you know he's talking to me and said hang on i got a you know patient yeah you know they they call up all right if you'd like to call up our telephone number is 919-860- 9783. Call up if you've ever had AFib and you just commiserate with us. 
919-860-9783. Boy, it makes my story nothing. Oh, come on. All I have is a sinus infection. That's and I'm going to find stuff. out sometime during today's show, we're going to find out what is the sinus, why is it infected, and because I imagine what's in my head to be similar to what you would see when you open the hood of a car. Yeah. I think my sinus is a reservoir full of snot. Right now okay? it, is. it is. It is like this big container, and then every 15 minutes, squirt, 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 and i got to blow my nose. Yep. And we're going to find out about simple things like... I'll tell you all like, about it, because I used to have bad sinus infection. Did you? All right. I've got to find out about that. Now, how do I convince everybody that it is a sinus infection and not COVID, my friends? <laughs> I'm not suffering from a major disease. All that and more, and advice about Thanksgiving coming up on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio, a quick shame moment. And then we jump right back to the phones because Bob and Raleigh answered the call, or literally dialed the call, to get on the show. Who are we shaming today? Okay. Dr. Michael Osterholm, an advisor to President-elect Biden, brought up the L word. Lockdown? Lockdown. Oh, yeah. And now he's walking back on it, and rightly so. Listen. We can do this without a lockdown. And and what happened the last time we locked down? Okay, we slowed it down a little bit. Summer came, boom, went up again. Now we're going back inside and it's coming back again. Yeah. If we lock down and shelter at home, this is now where we're spreading it anyway. Okay? So don't do this. President Biden, I'm going to tell you, he's going to be the president. I know a lot of my friends who are with President Trump mm-hmm. are going to be mad at me, but I don't see how we can get out of it. Don't pick the lockdown as the solution. Get the virus, I mean, get the vaccine out here ASAP. That's the solution. And when somebody gets really sick, get them the Regeneron antibody treatment and and the steroids, and let's prevent these people from dying in the way that we know we can. Bob in Raleigh, you are on Heart Health Radio. How you doing, Bob? Good, good, thank you. How you doing? Hey, I'm what's good. up? What can we do for you, Bob? Well, I was calling in uh, because I wanted to um, ask Dr. Uh, Wesled about um, what I do for my AFib, and that is uh, I take taurine and magnesium which I understand are really good to help control the AFib. Yeah, that first thing, did you say taurine? Yes, the amino acid taurine. Yeah, taurine, taurine. yeah. So there is a lot of that. I think I take magnesium, too, to tell you the truth. I, I bumped up my dose. The only caveat or the only warning on magnesium is if your kidneys don't work well. So if you're on dialysis for sure, but if you're seeing a nephrologist because your kidneys aren't, as strong as they should be. You got to be careful about magnesium because that can build up. But magnesium is a great thing. It helps my leg cramps. It helps my, I hope it's going to help my AFib. But I think that's a great idea as long as your doctor's approved it and as long as your kidneys are okay. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth, Bob. I've heard about taurine as a treatment for AFib. I don't know enough about it today to tell you more than I just heard that some people take it to help calm the electricity in the heart down. Now, what I am going to promise you is that I'm going to go look it up. And then next week, tune in, 
and I'll be able to tell you more about what I do know about taurine. Tell me more about your AFib, Bob. How long have you had it? Well, several years, and uh, actually, I'm on Eloquist. Yeah, um, that's I'm, I'm on, on that too. We're Eloquist buddies. Yeah, <laughs> and I've been on it for a few years, but I'm afraid that it may be doing damage to my eyes. Oh, you're worried about that. Awesome. Yeah. Have you been to the eye doctor? Oh, yeah, I'm going to the eye doctor regularly. Yeah. And, uh, that's, a, that's the one downside, yeah. If you have uh, diabetic retinopathy, for example, or you have... Uh, macular degeneration. Those are two eye conditions that can maybe make you more likely to have a bleeding episode. So, you know, I talk about the miracle medicine, apixaban, a.k.a. Eloquus. Mm-hmm. You've got to be careful. It can cause bleeding. It can cause bleeding in your eyes. It can cause bleeding in your brain. If you have an ulcer or if you have something wrong with your colon, you can bleed there. So, only take these medicines under the strict supervision of a physician and make sure you get your eyes checked, make sure you get your blood tested regularly. And it, But it, the reduction in stroke uh, is amazing. And so I'm a believer, but make sure your doctor knows what's going on. Yeah. Bob, thank where, you. Where do you practice, doctor? Where do you practice? Oh, I'm in Smithfield. I have a practice in Smithfield, North Carolina, um, I am semi-retired from, I don't go to the hospital anymore. I have this really great office practice in Smithfield. I have about 6,000 patients, and we have a great time. Bob, Is thank it you. Is possible to get your telephone number? You said you had a telephone. You answer. I'll tell you what. Let me just do this for you, Bob. I'm going to put you on hold. And we're going to get your telephone number. Now, the radio program isn't strictly for this, to add more people to your practice, because that's not your passion. Your passion is to yeah. get people information. But we'll get, get Bob's number. We'll get number your number, and I'll asked. give you a call. It's not a problem. Shorty is on line two. Shorty, so glad you called. What can we do for you today? I'm just checking to see if you guys are still swimming or, or you dried out. Are we swimming or we dried out? Let me you tell know, you, the people don't realize. Raleigh didn't get hit very bad. Yeah. Raleigh is not Smithfield. You cross over that, that Johnston County line, it's a whole new world. Is it a lot of water? Well, it? not only that. See, I don't know if you remember the history, Shorty, of this, the geological timing history. She does. But yes. when 10,000, 20,000 years ago, Smithfield in that area was beach. Yes. Front property. Yes. So all of eastern North Carolina out to the shore was underwater. It was uh, the shallows. And so that's why, they, have you heard of the sand hills? Yeah. Yeah, that's, those are dunes. Sure. They ran all the way up and down North Carolina. Anyway, so when there's a lot of rain, mm-hmm. Smithfield floods. So I got pictures of three feet of water in downtown Smithfield on Friday, Thursday. Really? We had to shut the office early. No kidding. People couldn't get in. Right. I went to the office this morning. The river is about the highest I've ever seen. Wow. Because it's the noose and it carries all that water from Raleigh. So it's got the Smithfield water and the and the and the Raleigh water and it's do you think it's going to go over the bridge, Shorty? Shorty, do you think that the uh, we're going to get flooding over the bridge? It's the new one. They're behind your office. Oh yeah, the new one. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope not. I hope not too. It came up to my porch in the front, from my front step, and three parking spaces to my left, uh, three times. Right. 
All right, well, Shorty, next time it happens, we will be, Dave and the doctor will be there with sandbags. Right out. At your house. Well, what I need is uh, uh, one of those little little boats that you put on top of your head. And yes. <laughs> we'll get you a dinghy. No I problem. That's what I need. All right. Thank you, Shorty. All right. So you glad you called. Be careful. we we'll talk to you later. All right. I love you, talk Shorty. Talk to you later. Telephone number here is 919-860-9783. All right. So Thanksgiving, I want some advice. Yes. I have a uh, my mother-in-law coming into town. She is coming in from New York State. Now, she has been quarantined. Mm-hmm. And New York State, you must understand, what they've been telling people has been so extreme. Yeah. She hasn't had her grandchildren next to her. Even those months. who live two miles down the road. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we going to do to keep uh, her safe? Well, it's the two of you only, right? Yeah, my or wife. Is your daughter going to come to the house? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get together. How many are you going to have? Ten. Eight. Okay. I think eight is a good number. Okay. Um, you know, Dr. Fauci has asked us not to have Thanksgiving, and I think there's something to be said for that. I wouldn't have said the same thing two weeks ago, but the numbers are just baffling me. I mean, I don't understand why we're getting all these cases all of a sudden. Yeah. I think eight to ten, um, but I think what you might want to is she at risk? Is she an at risk? She individual? is just because of age. Yeah, that's it. You know what I would do if I were you? What's that? Get yourself tested like two, three days before you go. Okay. Uh, I think you get yeah. your daughter tested. Get yourself tested. You can come to my office. I'll have it the next day. We're having a party. We'll have a testing party in the in, parking lot. In the parking but lot. But the other key thing is. Um, has your daughter been behaving in terms of going out to bars and stuff Everybody's like been behaving. Everybody Good. in Good. my family has been behaving. Well, we go think, to work, we come back. That's yeah. it. Okay, so what I think is you're pretty safe, but let's get yourself tested before. All right, we'll talk more about this. This is Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. And we are getting to the phone calls that have already been placed as quickly as we can. Betty and Colleen, hang on, because this is uh, the uh, moment when we usually talk with Rose Hoban of NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Hi, Rose. How you doing? Hey, gentlemen. How are you? So hey. the numbers are up, right? Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? Mm, they, they are up. <laughs> and, uh, yes, uh, I I agree. I mean, I... I don't want to go like, whoa, the numbers are up, but they're up. And it's it's frightening because, um, for one thing, a lot of the numbers are up in rural areas of the state where they do not have as many of the resources for folks to, um, you know, for folks to get the care, right? So they may have to, for example, leave their community and uh, get care uh, maybe an hour away in order to, to, to go to the hospital. But also, um, you know, rural folks tend to have less good insurance. So those, these folks may delay seeking care. They tend to be a little older, which is, as we know, a population group that's more at risk from COVID. Um, and the, and rural parts of the state tend to have more pre-existing conditions, people there. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons to be deeply concerned. Now, we now have 1,423 people currently hospitalized. 
for COVID. Now, that's a bigger number than I'm used to. Are we going to run out of beds? Um, well, so um, we still have enough beds, although oh, there's my dog. Although there are parts of the state where they are starting to fret. Um, I've been talking to ICU folks for the past couple weeks around the state, both urban and rural. I spoke to some folks in, um, in Stateville, in the part of the state that has the highest uh, percentage of folks who are sick with COVID. That is the what they call the triad preparedness area. It's kind of like Precise County, where Winston-Salem is, and go north and west. So it's all that, it's like Iredale County, um, uh, Avery County, you know, sort of in that northwest corner, Boone of the state. And they definitely were talking about um, the fact that they're having trouble staffing, that they're having, uh, that, and that's, that's actually almost a bigger problem right now than the number of beds. Is it what because about, people are the, getting I, it? Yeah, what about the ICU situation? Well, that, that is the part of the state that has the most ICU patients. They, I actually sat down and just added up the population of all the counties in these preparedness areas that the state assembles. And that part of the state has one-fifth of the state's population, but they currently have one-third of the state's hospitalizations and ICU admissions. Wow. And so the folks, the folks there are very concerned. And um, I was speaking to the head of Iredell um, Medical Center, uh, you know, Iredell Health, uh, the CEO of the Iredell Health um, System, and he was very much asking people in his area to do things like remain socially distant and wear masks. But I will tell you, there is a lot of thread in the medical community about what is going to happen over Thanksgiving. Right. And well, we were are talking people about going to be that. getting together. Are you planning on having a big Thanksgiving, Ruth? No. As a matter of fact, my husband and I are um, headed down to the beach for a week where we're going to sequester ourselves yes. and work remotely um, so that we can host my husband's parents who live, um, who also live here in the triangle. And, um, and that's basically it. It's going to be my husband and I hit my in-laws and my sister-in-law. And she is the, she's the wild card because she is a healthcare provider. Yeah. And yes. so she's like, I'll wear a mask the whole time. Um, but that's what we're doing. I'm not going to see my family in yeah. New York. And then at Christmas time, we plan on doing something similar, namely just, Staying home for like a week, 10 days, not going out except to, you know, grocery store or whatever, and then driving to New York. And then we will have a, a Christmas that's just my mom, my husband, and, and me, and maybe one of my brothers, but yeah, I'm not well, sure because he goes be to work in New York City. Well, stay safe wherever you are. Thanks for the info, Rose. We're Thank gonna, you, Rose. I want everybody keep, to go, go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. They've got a daily update, and there's are, there are articles from all over the country and the state about what's going on. Uh, we've got Betty in uh, Garner, who called in just before the news. Hi, Betty. How are you? So glad to have you on. What can we do for you, Betty? Yeah. You're on Heart Health Radio. I was talking to Dr. Weefall about AFib, and yeah. I've had AFib for the last week, and I'm 84 years old. 
and uh, I've had my blood checked and everything. Magnesium's good, thyroid's good, everything seems to be up to par at this time. But uh, he cut my Lasorda, and I was on Lasorda. He cut that in half, uh-huh. the uh, cardiologist did. Uh-huh. He also, uh, I'm taking Metoprol and have been for years. Right. So the other day he wanted me to go on the Joxon. Well, today makes my third day that I've been on the Joxon. Uh-huh. So evidently it hasn't gotten my system that well yet. So I would like to know what his thought is about all of this. Okay. Betty, are you telling us that you've been in AFib yeah, for yeah. several Over days? Yeah. Okay. So what is, what is first of all, just real briefly, what does it feel like? Do you feel yourself jumping around, or how would you describe the way the AFib makes you feel? I can't hardly hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. How are you feeling? Uh, jittery, jittery, weak. Yeah, that's how I felt. Okay, it's jittery, so, weak. You know, no energy. It feels like you just want to sleep. And did he put you on a blood center? He sure does. I'm on Eliquis. Uh, yeah. 2.5 hey. in the morning and 2.5 in the evening. And we're, I've we're, been for a long while. We're Eliquis buddies. Okay. So what is going on? <clears throat> Your atrial fibrillation is like mine. The upper chamber is just uh, fluttering out of control. And the bottom part follows it so it can get out of control. So what are they trying to do? The reason why he dropped your Losartan, I can guess, is that when you increase your metoprolol, your metoprolol, that's the beta blocker. That's the medicine that makes the heart less responsive to stress and helps to slow it down. So I guess your doctor didn't want your blood pressure to fall too much. Now, the digoxin, that's an old-fashioned medicine. It's sort of gone by the wayside, but actually, I think it's a pretty good medicine in certain situations. What that's trying to do is slow your heart rate down a little bit. And I think in, in what I can gather, they're just hoping they slow your heart down a little bit, get it less responsive to the stress hormone, and then it'll convert back on its own. doesn't sound like it's done that. I did something different from what you did. I took a medicine that was specifically designed to convert the AFib back to normal rhythm. Yeah, when are you going to see your doctor again? Uh, I saw him the first of the week, and I've got to see him again uh, the 10th, I believe. Okay. Well, I think, I think what, what the doctors who treat AFib want to see is that your heart slowed down and that maybe uh, it'll go back to rhythm on its own. Now, if it doesn't and you still feel bad, there are certain situations where they can either change your medicine to one that will help the heart stop the AFib and let the normal rhythm come back. Or they may have to do some other treatments. There's something called a cardioversion yeah. where they put you to sleep and then they give your heart a gentle push with electricity to get it back in normal rhythm. And then if it's really not responsive, there's something that my friend Pavlo Netrebko does, and that's called an ablation where they actually go in with little tubes find out where the electricity is going wrong, and they zap it with some electricity to get it back in normal rhythm. So the key thing for you, follow your doctor's uh, prescriptions. Take those meds. The digoxin is not to convert it back to normal, but to help the heart rate come down a little bit. Um, It's a medicine that you have to really be watched over because it can have side effects if you take too much and if your kidneys don't work very well, you want to be very careful with that medicine, too. Right, well, let me ask you this. Sure. When your heart rate, I mean, not your heart rate, but your blood pressure is low, and then you take the Joxon, 
and then you take uh, metoprol of a night time, 50 milligrams. Is that uh, metoprol supposed to bring your uh, heart rate down? And right. And supposed to bring your heart rate down? Both yeah. Times? So what the metoprolol does, it helps for blood pressure. Um, but it, what it really does uh, for AFib is prevent adrenaline, which is your stress hormone, from exciting your heart. It blocks that excitation and brings the heart rate down. Digoxin brings the heart rate down by keeping the electricity from sliding from the top part of the heart to the bottom part so quickly. It's, it's, it blocks that, that um, node or that collection of tissue that allows electricity to flow from the top to the bottom. Right. So in combination, they both work to slow your heart rate down. Now, here's one trick. If you have an automatic blood pressure cuff... Yeah. When you're in AFib, the pulse is irregular. So if the blood pressure cuff comes down too quickly, it'll miss the beat, and it won't give you an accurate blood yeah, pressure. Every time I take my blood pressure over there, it says irregular heartbeat. You know, right. So here's what I would do. When you take your blood pressure, take it three times, and then average what they get. Right. Because like I had somebody say their blood pressure was 90 on top, it turns out it was 120 when I took it by hand, oh. but the machine missed the top beat right. because it was beating so irregularly. Right. Betty, thank you. Yes, thank you all so much, Dr. Hey, Sweetball. you take care, sweetie. Love you. Thank right. you. Betty, thank you for the phone call. This is Heart Health Radio. I've got Colleen in Raleigh, but also got kind of looking at the clock and I'm saying that we got to mention something. Colleen, I know you've waited a long time, but hang on, because we're going to get you on. We're doing a science experiment behind the scenes here. It's the first time we've done something like this. I am Dave's Dexcom. Yeah, I have a... <laughs> I, you know, I used to poke my fingers Ouch. several times in a day to check my sugar Ouch. because I'm diabetic. I no longer do that. I have something attached to my arm. And I can push a button on my smartphone, and you can hear it. We did this last week and just about hear it. No, we're not here. I wave the phone. It just did it. Wave the phone, and it checks my sugar. Look at my sugar. It's 84. Now, what I did was about... It was 92. Yeah, it was. How many minutes ago? Uh, About 10, 15. And I just saw, you. what is it, jujubes? Yeah, I just ate a bunch of Skittles. The experiment we're running is, how bad could it be for me? That's what we're talking about. I just ate a bunch of Skittles. How bad could they be? Well, apparently my sugar is pretty stable right now. We'll see before the end of the show whether it zooms up. If it does, then obviously this, this meter is accurate. The, the, and I should watch this. But tell them when you took your insulin. You took a short-acting insulin what time? About 10.30, quarter to 11. Okay, well, the the effect of that yeah. should be basically gone by Should now. be gone, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm expecting this number to Are go up. Are you sure those were real Skittles? They're definitely here, real give Skittles. Me one, they give me one just, and let here, me here's see. Here's one. All right, taste test. It's really good. this is really the same. Colleen and Raleigh. Colleen, welcome to the radio program. How you doing? Doing fine, thank you. Good. What's going on? Well, I've never seen to ask anybody about this, but your topic today brought it to mind. Yes. Sometimes uh, when I'm on the treadmill or just in general, I'll put my hand up to the artery in my neck to feel the heartbeat. And sometimes it's like it's 
skips. It feels like it has skipped because I can't feel the pressure of the sure. So I'm just curious to know. I've never, I've never had a doctor say I had a problem. And, you know, people do my blood pressure when I have a checkup. So just okay. wanted to know your take on that. That's that's very a very interesting question because a lot of people have this. Um, you're feeling the carotid artery, right? The one in your neck. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and are you feeling it on the right side or the left side? I know this sounds On the steep. left. On the left side. Okay. On the right are you right handed or left handed? I'm left handed. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Now it could be one of a couple things. Um, you sound like you're really healthy, and especially if you're you're doing the treadmill thing. Well, relatively healthy, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you you let me get this right. So you're on the treadmill, and every now and then you feel the left side of your neck, and then it like skips a beat. It'll go beat uh-huh. beat. It feels like beat, it skips a beat. beat. Yeah. I don't feel it like I don't feel weak from it or anything, but when I. You know, just my hand against it, I can't feel the beat. Right. So if you're pushing hard on the left side of your neck and you're left-handed, there's something called the carotid body, and that is actually a sort of negative button. So if you push on there, it could actually make your heart pause um, for what we call a carotid sinus massage. Now, I doubt that, but I've, I've seen that happen where, in fact, I've got people who were, one was a preacher, and he would put the, the collar on his neck and he'd pass out because his carotid body, the, the wow. in the carotid artery in the neck, the body, which, which helps to sort of slow your heart down, it would actually make his heart stop. The other thing it could be, and I think this is more like it, that you have what we call a premature contraction. And they aren't okay. dangerous in and of themselves, but sometimes... If your heart has like a muscle spasm before the normal electricity flows through, that can produce a heartbeat that's not strong enough to be felt in the pulse. So uh-huh. you, you don't feel dizzy when this happens, do you? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, here's I what I would do. I don't even know it unless yeah. I actually have my, my finger pressed against yeah. the carotid. Well, my, my set of advice for you is, number one, don't worry about it. Because if it is... This skip beat, it obviously hasn't affected your health. But I would recommend you go to your doctor and see if he'll put a monitor on you for a week or so. And then you'll be able to correlate these skip things, these these missed pulses, as to whether or not you really have these skip beats. And then they can decide if and when or whatever mm-hmm. you need to do about it. You sound really healthy. Don't worry about it. If it is a skip beat called a premature contraction, it's quite common and 99% of the time is nothing to worry about. Okay. Colleen, thank you. Have a great day. Have a great day. This is Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk about a a person who's had a wonderful, got a good story. This is a shout-out coming up. Also going to recheck my sugar. I ate some candy, and it's still not going up. I I just double-checked. we have a situation. I'm cured. I was diabetic earlier today, and now I'm cured. We have a no. situation. We have a situation? Okay. Yeah. We'll I talk have, about that. I, listen, I would have thought it was 200 by now. All right. We'll, we'll try that out. You want to join in on the show? 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down. 
Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by listening to this radio show, Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. And who are we shouting out today? Well, I, I saw James Lucas, uh, gosh, I think, probably Thursday, and yeah. along with his beautiful bride. And I just had to stop and think and marvel at the miracles of American medicine and surgery. Yes. And he is what you might call a walking textbook of cardiac surgery. Um, really? Starting in the 50s, okay? So there was a very famous surgeon, Sabiston, S-A-B-I-S-T-O-N. He's a, he was a Duke, founder of Duke Cardiac Surgery. Yeah. And James was a kid, 15 years old. And his blood pressures were high in his arms, but low in his legs. And lo and behold... He had a stretcher in his aorta, so the blood would come out of his heart, go up to his arms, and then there was like a stretcher, so it would reduce the amount of blood flow to his legs. Yeah. So Sabiston operated on him and fixed it, uh, took away the stretcher, put it back together. He did great. This is in the 50s. In the 50s. This guy's okay. 15 years old. Well, then in the mid-2000s, I'm sitting in my office, and Dr. Weefall, there's a new patient for you to see. And he comes in, James and his wife, and he's complaining of pain in his chest, and it's going into his back. And I put my stethoscope on, and the aortic valve, the valve controlling the flow of blood out to the body from the heart, was just leaking like a sieve. Yeah. So I got my ultrasound. The normal aortic root size is three, three centimeters. Okay. Okay. His was nine. That's about to blow. Oh, my. It's sitting in my office. So and? we took him to the hospital. Ambulance? Uh, yeah. yeah. And then we did the procedures we needed to do to get him. And he had surgery. They replaced his aorta with a Dacron tube. Wow. And we replaced uh, his aortic valve. And that was 15, maybe 17 years ago. Yeah. Now, he's had uh, a stent in his heart since then. I think maybe two. Uh, he's had his knees fixed. Um, we've been kind of worried about the size of the aorta in the back of his chest, but that stayed stable. But when you look at it from f- the 50s till now, that's almost, what, 70 years ago? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe it wasn't the 50s. Maybe it was the 60s. But anyway, he looks great. Yeah. And he has a great full life. And so whenever anybody from the... I don't care if it's Democratic left or it's from Canada who who poo-poos our healthcare system. Yeah, forget about it. This guy is a walking testament to how great our system is. James, if you're listening, we love you. Marie in Raleigh, thank you very much for calling Heart Health Radio. Hi. Hi. Hey, Marie, what's going on? Uh, Doctor Weefall. Hey, ma'am. I was really surprised to hear you about your ACL. Oh, well, you know, things happen. You know that I was checked this week and everything with my heart and and everything, pacemaker and everything is just great. Perfect. And I feel like I owe it to you. Perfect. They were telling me how, uh, what good medicine I'm I'm on and uh, it has not been changed since I started coming up here to Raleigh. And uh, I just want to let you know that I was shocked to hear you. You are so strong. And and uh, <clears throat> when you said that, I said, no, he can't be as hard as he works. And how 
much he cared about your patient. I was just really shocked. Well, you know, the thing, the reason why I brought it up is, is so that people realize that these things can happen to anyone, anytime, anywhere. And, you know, I've got a great doctor. Uh, I have great patients, but I've mm-hmm. got two great doctors. Renee Watson, my primary care physician in Smithfield, she's helping Dr. Natrebko, who is the electrophysiologist in, in, at Weight Med, and they're working together, and we're going to figure this out. Now, Marie, I feel great, and I, I felt kind of lousy that day. But, I you know, hear you that well. I mean, basically took three pills, and four hours later, I was back in rhythm. So, you know, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about me. I mean, I got, I got life insurance, you know. So. Oh, <laughs> Marie, My, thank you. The people I love will be taken care of. Excellent. For those tuning in uh, late, you gotta you got to listen to the beginning of the show, the first 15 minutes of this radio broadcast. Listen to it on Apple Podcasts or go to hearthealthradio.com for a link. Dr. Weefald had a cardiac condition called AFib. Atrial fibrillation. And you're better now. AFib. I'm feeling great. I took candy. I'm a diabetic. I ate candy about a half an hour ago. My sugar still has not gone up. Maybe I have some sort of, yeah, I'm now at 86. I'm okay. still good. Still good. So apparently uh, this, Halloween This is kind of scary to me, though. Yeah. No, no, I'm, because I'm not, you may think no, you can I'm eat not, candy now. No, I can't. Thank you for listening. This is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.